Hello, everyone, and welcome into the Athletic Fantasy Baseball Podcast. It is Friday, September 18th. We've got just 10 days left of this 2020 Major League Baseball season this weekend and then next week, and then we are turning it over to the postseason. So a sprint to the finish here in Fantasy Baseball Leagues. I am Michael Beller, hosting today's show. Derek Van Riper is out, and so I am joined by Nando DeFino. Nando, what's up, man? What's up, man? How are you? I'm good. This is great. You know, I was thinking about this last night. You and I obviously have done a ton of football work together. I think, you know, without combing through our archives, and I'm not going to do that, but I think this is the first baseball show we've ever done together. That's uh, Maybe you're right, actually. I So I do the one a week, and DVR produces it, and so I don't think he's ever missed a show. <laughs> I don't think he has either, and yeah. I feel I've, I've done some rates and barrels with Eno, and obviously DVR and I have done a bunch, and I've done a bunch with Al Melchior on Fantasy Baseball in 15, but I don't think you and I have ever been together on the uh, Diamond. Plenty of gridiron time, but uh, this is our first time talking baseball together, at least in this context. True, true. I mean, we've done it before <laughs> over pitchers of beer, I believe, in New York, but yeah. So how about right, that? Was that baseball or was that football? That was actually football too. It's probably anyway. Both. Yeah, this is great. Okay, yeah, <laughs> momentous occasion. I know. I'm I'm very excited. I'm happy that we're we're making this happen at the end of this uh, 2020 season. So uh, it, it's uh, it's going to be fun. But uh, you know, I, I feel like I was talking to Derek about this earlier this week and how we were going to handle our last group of shows. And the 2020 sort of is what it is at this point, right? We uh, if you're contending for a championship, congratulations. You probably don't need much more help from us down the last week. And we will still have our waiver show on Sunday. We'll still be bringing you fantasy baseball in 15. We've got a new episode up this morning and next week we'll be focusing on day-to-day moves that you can potentially make to uh, get yourself over the hump but in these longer form shows that we've got I feel like it's more fun to look ahead to 2021 so that's what we're going to do here on these last two Friday episodes of the regular season today we're going to talk hitters next week we're going to talk pitchers so let's talk some 2021 hitters uh Nando uh you know uh, we're going to talk about some guys who had some big years this year what we think about them next year some guys who maybe underachieved this season what we think about them next year take it all together and look forward to 2021, and I really don't think there's any place you can start in the 2020 season uh, in a fantasy baseball context, in an individual player context, anywhere else than with Fernando Tatis. We got to start with him. Where does he fit into this 2021 picture? I think he's easily a top five pick. Oh, yeah. I was going to say maybe even top three. I don't know. I I don't think people would be down off a trout, but uh, I think Acuna retains his title as number one overall. Uh, Trout's in the mix somewhere there, but you know what it is with Tatis? It's it's, he's exciting. I think people yes. have to look – got to look at the numbers a little harder because, you know, he's not hitting 300, uh, but he is hitting home runs and he is stealing, but he's not hitting them at the rates that, like, Acuna and Trout are. Uh, Yelich is still up there too, so I think he enters a top three conversation just because he's, like, that player you want on your team to root for. Uh, but, you know, top five is probably where he deserves to be, but I bet you he sneaks up top three in a bunch of drafts. I mean, I could see taking him top three. First of all, Mike Trout's the number one player. We're going to do this again next year. You know we are. Um, every year, every, every year, year man. someone, right? Yeah. Is it Bryce Harper? Is it Ronald Acuna? And Mike Trout maybe isn't literally the number one guy, but Mike Trout is always literally in the top three, just like he is again this year. And the someone's always kid. challenging the throne. The guy had a kid this year and still, right? We were like, oh, he's going to leave in July and never come back. <laughs> or leave, leave it at the end of August and never come back. And he took away three days off. And I believe, yeah. like... Joe Madden had to be like, stay a little longer, please. This is your first child. <laughs> yeah, and then hit three homers right when he came back, too. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so no one challenges Mike Trout's throne basically until the day he retires. But Fernando Tatis, I mean, 
he is that exciting guy. And you look at all the numbers that he put together this season. I would love to have seen this year over a full 162 because he's already sitting on 15 homers, 40 RBIs, uh, hitting 281, 369, 582, coming into play on Friday. I would love to have seen this get played out over a full 162. Unfortunately, that's not going to be the case. But I think he's in there. I think Mookie Betts is another guy who's going to be challenging uh, the throne this uh, or this this upcoming season in 2021. Uh, but uh, that's really what I think we're going to be looking at in that top group, right? It's still going to be Trout and Acuna and Mookie Betts. Now Fernando Tatis joins that group as a as a top four guy. I think that that's going to be a consensus that hardens that those are the top four guys in some order. It should obviously be Trout and then two, three, four, in my opinion. And I think those two, three, four could go really in any order. But I do think that quartet is going to separate itself from the rest of the league. I would I would put a wild card, maybe Garrett Cole in there, just because I sure. think with this with a short season, uh, I think people got used to putting a lot of pitchers up higher than they normally would, and I think uh, I don't know if it's going to translate if they're going to poo poo it or if they're going to like the idea, but I'm guessing a lot of people like the idea of having like a stud ace pitcher that maybe they never did before. You know, like they, I'm not going to take my first pitcher to the fourth round, uh, and having someone like Garrett Cole who's like holy crap, especially in points leagues, like dominating. Uh, for most of the season, at least, uh, maybe he'll join the conversation in the top five, but I doubt he'll be able to, like join it when you ch- when the ADP settles. But I think I think a lot of people might actually be looking at that stud ace now because they got a taste of it this season because they had to. I mean, if we're right about the excitement around Tatis, then maybe Cole settles in as that you know single tier number five player. It's the four hitters first, and then there's a clear step down to the next group of hitters. And I, I think maybe that includes Christian Yelich, and that'll be something that we explore over the off season. But maybe that's where it is. And then Cole's the obvious pitcher. He's a little bit better than that next group of hitters. He's five. And then we get back into the hitter pool, starting with pick six and on from there. Yeah, you know, you can also explain and justify a lot of stuff. Like, even when you're talking about Yelich, you give you, well, you know, it was a weird season. You know, Such anyone who didn't season. do well that you want to justify, mm-hmm. like, well, that doesn't, I don't count 2020 in my analysis. So... <laughs> You're going to see it's, a it's lot legit. of that, I think, over the winter. It's yeah, legit. So. To, it's legit to a point. I mean, it's legit with Christian Yelich. I will say that. I think it's going to be not so legit with some of the players we talk about a little bit later. But let's talk about one of Garrett Cole's teammates who is having himself a f- fantastic season leading the majors in homers. Luke Voigt, 20 bombs on the season. An absolute breakout year after his pretty good but not excellent 2019 campaign where he hit 21 homers this year putting it all together and at a first base position where there haven't necessarily been quite as many reliable guys as there have been in the past. We spin it forward to the 2021 season. Luke Voigt is going to be 30 years old, so it's a a little bit of a a late-in-life breakout for him. Uh, But I still think that this power is something that is absolutely completely trustable. That's going to make him a bankable guy in 2021. Yeah, I think the power – you know, he's having Pete Alonso's season basically right now. Uh, the batting average is great. The power is astronomical. Um, yeah, I, I just don't know. Like, I don't know if people are going to believe it or buy it because the, he was like, like I know he's not like a pure part-time player, but I like I do know like you know he gets rotated in and out sometimes, or at least he did in the past last year. Uh, I don't know if people are going to fully embrace Luke Voigt, which will create a great value for him when it's his time and maybe like the f- fifth or sixth round. I would say. I don't I mean, know. There's so much red if you go to his Statcast page, and red is good on a Statcast yeah. page. There's just so, it's it's all over the place. It's all over the Statcast page, and it tells you, um, just how effective of a hitter he is. It's not just the hard bottom line numbers, but there's a lot underlying what he is doing this season. 
and you could maybe see one red flag in the uh, in his numbers and the fact that his walk rate is cutting about half from last season. But then he's also slashed about four and a half uh, percentage points off of his strikeout rate. So, right. you know, I'm not going to fault a guy for doing that. That just shows to me a guy who is a little bit more aggressive, and we want that. I feel like you know, walks are great, right? Walks, walks are excellent. Walks are, you know, we, we get guys on base. We keep the line moving. I've got nothing against a walk. But I think we have fetishized walks to a point where uh, we – equate them with anything good and you know sometimes there is an ideal sort of strikeout rate and it's not zero you want to be aggressive you want to be attacking pitches you don't want to be the most patient guy in the world and I think we're seeing that from Luke Voigt this season he's gotten more aggressive on balls in the zone and that is obviously ending at bats ending plate appearances earlier than ones last year that ultimately ended in walks. And so if his walk rate comes down, but the strikeout rate is also coming down and the homers and the power is going up, I am totally fine living with that. So I just think this is someone who we can really bet on in a big way next year. I So, yeah, I like him. I believe in the power. The other weird thing that stood out to me, and I think this kind of helps with your walk. I mean, not like I 100% agree with <laughs> what you're saying about walks. I'm sick of it, kind of. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but uh, – Luke Voigt hasn't doubled a lot this year, which I find completely strange. And I think maybe it's just because it's so easy for him. He doesn't have to double, basically. Right. He can just hit home runs. <laughs> uh, but usually, you know, I like to see, like, at least half. Like, if you got 20 home runs, I'd like to see 10 doubles. That's, like, my baseline. He has five. Five doubles to 20 home runs does not look right. It doesn't but look right. I don't know how to explain it. You. Whatever. You still get 20 home runs. It's a weird park for him, too, right? I mean, it, like, a- any ball he squares up in Yankee Stadium feels like it's going to go out. Yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, he's just, I mean, he's, he's what he is. He's like a throwback Steve Balboni, big dude who's just banging home runs. <laughs> that's, what, that's what he is. Yeah. No, I mean, he's just, he's, he's a masher. He absolutely is a masher. And I think uh, this is, you know, when we're looking at, when we're auditing the first base position, Going into next season, I mean, you're going to see a lot of guys who have been mainstays who had fine years, but not the sorts of years that you know you expect from them or we come to expect from them over their last couple of seasons. The first two guys who jump out at me in that group are Anthony Rizzo and Paul Goldschmidt. You can't look at the seasons that those two guys have put together and said they've had bad 2020s. They've had fine 2020s, but they've come back to the pack in a way that a guy like Luke Voigt could find himself, I think, jumping up the first base ranks in a big way next season. So uh, definitely going to be one of the interesting guys to watch when we really start digging into 2021 rankings after we flip the calendar over to 2021 and another guy who's going to be right there with him a guy who's right there with him in New York Michael Conforto has been a very good hitter for years now has had some injuries that have uh, both limited his playing time and limited his effectiveness when he has been on the field but he's been able to put that behind him really going back to the second half of last year and then all the way through to this season just having a phenomenal year going into play on Friday hitting 341 433 551 just quote and I did do air quotes with my uh, hands over here you can't see that but uh, I did it they were there I believe it just, I believe it just nine homers but he does have 12 doubles uh really putting it together this year in a way that it felt like would have already happened for him had injuries not cropped up over previous years yeah and uh you know I go back and forth with Conforto and Nimmo because if you kind of track them you know the numbers are kind of similar at least uh, you know, as they were coming up in, in their early years in the in the majors but Conforto, man, just like he's like he's fulfilled that potential. I remember I went to his first game when he oh, got really? called up. Yeah, at City Field, um, and I remember like I remember the buzz around him. Like this guy is destroying everything in his path. In I kind of I know he went he made the leap from Double A and skipped Triple A, but I can't remember if he was 
if he was tearing it up at like high A first and they rushed him to double A Trenton or wherever double A was and then then promoted him. But like the buzz around Conforto is finally being matched this year with what he's doing. And I think like this is like that step forward and he's going to maintain it and he's going to play himself into. I think when you're in the third round next year, you're going to be looking at Michael Conforto being like, yeah, he shouldn't still be around here based on these numbers. Is there anything with the Mets that concerns you? And it's not like Mets stink, LOL Mets, ha ha ha, this team can't get anything right, but more just the the environment around him. We talk about uh, offensive environment so much in fantasy football, and that makes sense, right? You got a good quarterback, you got a good line, the rest of the players on the team can't help but flourish. I don't think we talk about it enough in baseball, uh, just having those successful hitters around you and just what that means, turning the lineup over, having guys on base when you come up, guys who are capable of driving you in when you are on base, having that strong offensive environment around you is a really nice thing and sort of adds to your counting stats. I think we're going to see that for Fernando Tatis, certainly. I think we're going to see that for Luke Voigt, if Aaron Judge and Giancarlo Stanton could ever stay healthy, and of course, Glaber Torres is added to that mix too this season. Conforto's the first guy we've talked about here that I worry about his lineup context if the Mets just can't get things right in 2021. Well, you know, I, I think like literally around him, uh, it's good. Like you have you have Nimmo who's going to get on base ahead of him. Uh, you get J.D. Davis who's a masher. Um, but, you know, Dominic Smith I like a lot. Pete yeah, Alonso, I don't, nice I don't know when he, t- he turned into Joey Gallo, which is completely strange to me. Um, but you know what? Like I think, and this is a feeling, with this new ownership, everything you hear is like, you know, they're going to get rid of the GM. They're going to make these wholesale changes. They're going to fix the Mets. So I don't know if... Uh, fix if the gonna... Mets. They should rewrite the song. Right? <laughs> fix the Mets. <laughs> I don't know what's going to happen. But I do I do think if you're just talking about the little orb surrounding Conforto, it'll be okay. Uh, a couple injuries could totally derail that and destroy it. But, uh, you know, as you go from, you know, five, six, seven, eight down, it gets weaker and weaker. But... You're talking about the people in front of him, the people directly behind him. I think it'll be okay. Uh, but beyond that, I, I have no idea. I really think this is going to be a different-looking Mets team when we come into next year. You know, I didn't put him in here, but Pete Alonso is an interesting guy too, right? I mean, Dude, just, what, ha- the, like, what, what happened? happened? What, what, what went down this year? I mean, the, the thing is, is that he's still got a 100-point gap between his batting average and his OBP. So the guy still has an understanding of the strike zone, I think. right? He still uh, has good plate discipline, and he is not – offering it too much that he can't handle. But what happened with this batting average? I mean, that's really something that you have to worry about, I think, going into next season. Well, you know, the other thing is, uh, oh, who did I have who I was so worried about and who turned, like, he just started just jacking everything. I, I had a guy who was hitting, like, one-something. Uh, and now he's at, like, 274. And it's it's still, you just still got to wrap your head around, oh, yeah, right, this is, like, May 15th in, a, in yeah, the real exactly, world. exactly. So maybe, I mean, 215 right now, like you just said, like, He's still got the eye. He's still got the OBP. Uh, maybe it's just one of those things where give him another month and he would have been fine. Yeah, right. Know, he, he had a good they, batting average through the minors. Like he was this. Like mm-hmm. I depend on Pete Alonso for batting average. They, uh, the, yeah, they've played. The Mets have played what, like fifty games or so, right? So if this were fifty games in a season that started on March twenty sixth, the way this one was supposed to, we would be. Yeah, it would be. It would be the middle of May. It would be like May fifteenth. You're right. Yeah, we'd be, oh, don't be, don't panic. Everything's going to yeah. be fine. Yeah, go trade for Alonso. Go trade exactly. for Alonso. He's still got twelve homers. He's still yeah. going to hit. He's still on a you know th- uh, thirty eight homer pace for the season. He's going to be fine. Don't worry about it. That's going to be so hard next year. That's good. It's going to be so hard to not look at twenty twenty as a full season in certain contexts. Right. Like I don't it's know. Good. Like I know Selfino had stabilization rates, and you know, like this is real when it hits this point. But uh, I don't know. 
I, I did, like I don't know how to read these at all. It's gonna be very strange. It, it, we're gonna have to. We're. It's almost like we're gonna have to wait. 2019 right we're gonna have to like instead of looking at 2020 we're gonna have to look at 2019 and 2020 numbers combined as like a full season and a half and treat that as the player that we're talking about i like that i can get behind that i think that might work unless we have some substantive changes and actually speaking of substantive changes i actually want to jump down because uh you uh, you mentioned michael conforto you saw his first game at city field that triggered something in my mind for a player i do have in the sheet i saw javier Baez's his first game at wrigley field when the cubs called him oh, up nice. back in 2014 and uh things have not gone so well for uh, for javier Baez <laughs> this season and this is a guy i think who is very hard to judge going into 2021 because even when Javi is going good, there is a lot of head scratching that goes on in his game. And a lot of times the underlying numbers don't support what he is actually producing on the field. He's just that brand of player because he swings so much and there's so much swing and miss in his game. And more often than not, over the last couple of seasons, it's been going good. He's been making enough contact, enough hard contact that you can live with all the flaws that are just inherent in his offensive game and aren't going anywhere. That has not been the case in 2020. And the big thing in the fantasy world is that over the last two years, he hasn't run nearly as much. And if that's going to be the case for him going forward, I do think we're going to have to recalibrate the way we think of him in fantasy baseball. Yeah, that's happened. I mean, that's it's kind of like a recurring theme with a lot of people. Like, they just... You have that peak. It's the bell curve, basically. Uh, although for Baez, I thought maybe it would it would happen like a couple of years later. He's only what, 27, 20, I guess. Tw- yes, he's 27. Uh, yeah, it's a scary thing to happen, especially when you're depending on, you know, oh, Baez is going to get me 18 steals at least this year if you kind of want to follow the the progression of his his dip uh, from, that, you know, from that high of 20-something. But yeah, just to totally drop off kind of hurts, and it takes away all his value. And again, man, he's Pete Alonso to his batting average, which... Baez, to me, always was kind of, I don't know, like the bottom was always kind of maybe going to fall out for batting average mm-hmm. um, just because it was a little bit erratic before he actually hit his stride. So I'm okay like thinking that that, that would have been a built-in risk to a degree. Not to 211, like to 257 right. I would have been. Right? Like it's, it's again, month and a half, right? Like that's, that's what I'm going to fall back on. I'm basically, Beller, I'm going to, Pick and choose when I want to use this month and a half thing. And when, and when I want to be it's like, going to be so much of that. There's going to be so much of that. <laughs> we already are a, are an industry rife with confirmation bias. Yeah. So, but I mean, this is this. I I don't know. Maybe it's the manager. Maybe he doesn't get along with Ross. Maybe he was a Madden guy. I don't know. There could be so many weird factors here that uh, I'm just hoping that weird season pick it up again next year. The steals are just that's really. That's really what can that the steals bother me more than the batting average because last year he had 11 steals so that was already he had already dropped off from the 21 that he had in 2018 to a number that you know it's nice but it's not something like oh 11 steals that's great right and right. then this year he's got two in 50 games yeah and so it's just like now we're talking about it being a an insignificant part of his game and if the steals are an insignificant part of his game the batting average is a risk. And the power is good, but not great. Then we're looking at a whole different brand of player than we thought he was after 2018, when the dude was second in MVP voting. Yeah, but you know what? No, like no one on that team is stealing. If you go up and down that lineup, yeah, that, that this could just be a Ross thing where he's like, "We don't steal, bro. You know, we don't need to. We produce our runs another way." Yeah, by or, hitting or it could be they don't have. It. <laughs> I mean, who's the steals guy on the Cubs really? There, I'm, Ian Happ. I mean, they're yeah, really, right. Like, yeah. Who's there is the dude? no guy you point to as the steals guy right. on this team. 
So I don't know. Like it was like the Marlins last year when uh, when VR got traded. I went and looked at the roster, and I'm like, all right, well, they you know they didn't have a lot of steals, but that might not that might not have been a philo- uh, philosophy thing. It might have been we just don't have a guy who steals. I think that's the case. I don't think it's a David Ross thing. I think it's more just yeah you know, they they almost built this team in that way that there's uh, yeah you have got one steal on the season. They just right. don't really have a guy who you look. I mean, you look at the ride. Right? Chris Bryant's never been a guy who's going to steal bases. Anthony Rizzo. Wilson Contreras, Kyle Schwarber, Jason Hayward, you're looking at that whole regular team. I mean, you know, you could uh, you could throw them back to the 1980s Cardinals and uh, Whitey Herzog, but they're still not, there's just no steals guys on this team, period, bottom line. That's it. So I don't know, like, is it the symptom or the disease? I don't know. I don't, I don't know, but I am, I am concerned about Javier Baez. Let's get one more guy in here really quickly. Mike Yastrzemski. How about Mike Yastrzemski? Let's go back to the good side of things. Uh, what a season. He has had, you know, I got turned on to him by uh, David Adler of MLB.com really early in the season before everything went to hell when we still thought we were going to have a full season. Uh, He's a StatCast guru over at MLB.com, and we had him on uh, just to talk about StatCast guys and who StatCast likes more than the average going into the 2020 season, and he couldn't have been uh, more emphatic in his love for Mike Yastrzemski, and that has come through in a big way this season. 285, 390, 553, nine homers on the year. Uh, Dealing with a little bit of an injury, so maybe his 2020 is uh, coming to an abrupt end, but uh, one way or another, we're going to be talking about this guy in a big way, I think, next season. Just what a – talk about a late career breakout. Guy didn't even get to the majors until he was 28 and now having just an excellent year at age 29. Yeah. Yeah, and you know what? I I got it. I didn't see this coming. Like I, last year when he was kind of coming out, I uh, looked at his minor league numbers and I was like, well, you know, he's got an okay batting average. The power's there, but he's never hit twenty. You know, he's always had the teens, but he's never hit twenty. There's some steals in here, uh, so maybe he's you know a, a two thirty, two forty major league hitter with ten home run, eleven home run pace. Uh, plus, you're playing in San Francisco. And then San Francisco, you know, tweaked the stadium a little bit. And Yastrzemski just, you're right, like, he just like blossomed, I guess, is the word. Uh, I don't know. It's, I guess it's one of those things where when you're playing in the minors, there are just different reasons for different things in your stat line. Maybe he was still kind of learning and, and fixing things and tweaking. Or maybe it was the Baltimore system. He got to San Francisco and he's like, I got a coach who told me a couple things that I'm going to try. And now I've kind of unlocked my true potential. So I think it's for real. I will say that. But uh, I, I think he, he's to, to me he reminds me of like vintage Nick Markakis, like the, the Nick Markakis mm-hmm. from eight, nine, ten years ago when he like was Baltimore you know, Nick Markakis. Yeah, when he I mean you weren't gonna like Nick Markakis is gonna hit forty home runs this year, but you were like Nick Markakis can hit two seventy eight with twenty home runs and eleven steals. So I, yeah. I think that's how I'm gonna approach Mike. Maybe with a little more upside and a little more room to grow. Mm-hmm. But I, I just I don't know I I. See Mike Yastrzemski in the feel that I get as Nick Markakis, vintage Nick Markakis. I like that. I like that. And, you know, the the hard hit is there again this season. All the expected stats are there this season. A good barrel rate. Uh, so, uh, again, StatCast is liking Mike Yastrzemski this year. And I'm not uh, someone, I, you know, I believe in the numbers, and I believe that there are things that happen on a baseball field that are better quantified by things like hard hit rate than by batting average. But I'm not a, you know, I'm not a dyed-in-the-wool Full on, we should be trusting Statcast no matter what. But when you right. give me two straight good years of Statcast numbers, then I feel pretty good about you, especially when they come with good batting average, good OBP, good traditional back of the baseball card numbers. So, yeah, I think we're going to be talking talking about Mike Yaz as a superstar next year, but just a very good, very solid real life 
and fantasy player for sure. So it'll be interesting to see where guys like that, especially outfield only guys like that, end up landing in our 2021 draft rankings. We've got a lot of guys to get to. We've got still plenty more 2021 hitters we're going to talk about. But first, now is the time to get your student loan payments under control. You could be saving by refinancing your student loans with Ernest. Even if you've refinanced before, with today's low rate environment, most people could save by refinancing again. Checking your new rate, that is fast, that is easy. All you got to do, get online, answer a few questions. It'll take you like two minutes, and then you'll get a personalized rate estimate without affecting your credit score. If you want to change that monthly payment, combine many loans into one easy payment or get a better rate. Ernest makes it easy, and they do it without any origination fees or any other fees. Right now, you can get a $100 cash bonus when you refinance a student loan with Ernest at Ernest.com slash fantasy. Once again, a $100 cash bonus when you refi your student loan at Ernest.com slash fantasy. Not available in all states. Visit Ernest.com slash licenses for a full list of licensed states. Terms and conditions apply. All right, Nato Dufino, let's talk about some more guys. Let's talk about Bryce Harper. You want to talk about Bryce Harper? Want to talk uh, about one of the challengers to uh, Mike Trout's throne a few years ago who was just casually brushed aside by the greatest baseball player of all time, Mike Trout? You want to talk about one of them? How about Bryce Harper? Because, man, Bryce, he's back. What a season. What a season for Bryce Harper. Where are we going to be talking about him next year? Uh, you know what? I don't know, man. Like, Bryce Harper has so many haters out there, and he's been, again, man, he's been erratic. Like, Bryce Harper could stick you with a 230 average one year. I mean, you're still going to get that 40 home run potential, which will you know, probably settle down in the mid-30s. He'll probably get hurt and miss 20 games. Um, but you know, coming into this year, I, like Joe, I think Joe Girardi, man, is, is the, he's, he's just got a demeanor or a way with players. He did it with the Yankees. I think he's just kind of – give him another year with Bryce Harper, and I think he will rep- – if he, he, he will at least meet the first-round standard. Like, if he's, like, the ninth pick in the first round in your drafts, I think Bryce Harper will pay that back. Uh, but I, I do think that there are enough people who are negative about Bryce Harper and who don't trust on a year-to-year basis what he can give you, uh, especially in a league where you don't have OBP as one of your scoring categories. Yeah. I, I think there are enough people that will push him down. Like, I don't know what it is. I, like, I think the, like that excitement from you know five, six years ago is completely gone. And he's almost like a veteran now who's just like an old dude with bad knees sometimes who's going to hit 230 <laughs> if you get him on the wrong season. You know, that's uh, it's uh, funny that you say the OBP thing because I always actually end up liking Bryce Harper more when I get into these industry discussions because uh, the leagues that I uh, play in that I pl- that I pay closest attention to are OBP leagues rather than batting average leagues. And that's a huge difference for a guy like Bryce hitting 252 this year, but with a 404 OBP, 39 walks, 34 strikeouts. You love to see those strikeout numbers coming down for him. I think that's if you're going to take away one big positive from Bryce this season, it's the fact that the strikeout rate has just dipped in a significant way. And then maybe that's something he can build on going into next year. And you know, he's that guy who's it's always going to be strange, right? We are in his one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, ninth season in the majors, and he's twenty seven years old. And it's just all yeah. those numbers are always going to look strange together. Right? Yeah. I mean, he's, he he is in Mike Trout is going to be in his tenth major league year next year, a decade in the majors, and he's twenty eight. He's twenty eight next year. And it's just always going to look weird uh, with him. But uh, I, that's one thing I look at, and that's where I take my most confidence from with Mike Trout: the fact that, or with uh, with Bryce Harper, the fact that the strikeouts came down in such a significant way this season, and that gives me confidence that he can get back to uh, the halcyon days of you know not quite twenty fifteen, 
but maybe something approximating 2015 uh, where everything does come together for him. And he is a batting average guy. He is an OBP guy. Of course, he's a powered guy. Uh, the steals, I mean, even this year, eight steals. So uh, he's going to give you something that is not insignificant in the steals category too. Um, probably a little bit bullish to call him a first round pick, but uh, I think we start thinking about him once we get beyond the first two obvious groups or first three obvious groups of hitters. I think you can justify If you wanted to say I, Bryce Trout to me is the number Bryce eight Trout, overall. we both did it. <laughs> oh, yeah, geez. All right, Bryce Harp. Sorry, man. <laughs> no, I did. I called I called him Mike Trout. Yeah, at least great. You got, at least you got one name right. <laughs> <laughs> if you want to say Bryce Harper is number eight, I, I think I think you can justify that. I would not be like, you're an idiot. He's a second rounder uh, behind that. And maybe people call me an idiot for saying that, but I mean, like, I, I'm, I'm on board totally with Bryce Harper sneaking into the first round. Uh, with the potential of an all-around good season. Where are you on board with Kyle Lewis sneaking into? Because this guy, man, I mean, what a season. I mean, what a year he had. And last year, you know, we were excited about him after the way he ended the 2019 season. Six homers in that 2019, the final, what he played about a month or so with the Mariners. and Yeah, 75 plate appearances, 18 games. So six homers in that. You felt good about him coming into 2020, but I don't know if anyone could have expected this. 291, 385, 480, 10 homers in 49 games. Kyle Lewis, it's been another ugly year in Seattle, but Kyle Lewis, a, a silver lining for that team. you got to feel really good about him going forward. And this guy is a youngster, just turned 25 in July. So this could be a fixture of the Seattle lineup and of fantasy lineups for a decade here. Yeah, yeah again, dude, he was he was kind of like uh, Yastrzemski for me in that his minor league numbers just weren't I – mean, look, I, I know he had like the, the quote-unquote pedigree. He was the top uh, 30 Baseball America prospects, and I think yeah. he was also top 30 MLB, but uh, – First-round pick. Yeah, yeah, it, it, he had it all there, but like he, he wasn't hitting for average in the minors. Like it was – I don't even think he cracked 270, if you don't count like his for the first short year. Um, it, it was just not a lot of power. There wasn't a ton of power there. Uh, the steals weren't jumping. It wasn't like he was going to steal 40 bases, so it, or even or even 10, it looked like. So I don't know. I, I actually thought last year at the end of the year he was totally locked in. You know, like one of those late season, I'm coming up, I'm going to be nuts, and I'm going to be that guy who hits, like you know, Kyle Lewis set a rookie record for home runs in this amount of games. Uh and so I thought this year he would kind of come out cold and play his way down to like a 245 average and, you know, maybe 20 home runs, maybe not. But again, dude, I guess you can't just look at the minor league numbers. This, this is a guy who is still developing. And it seems real to me. Although, again, was this a real full season? I don't know. Like, would Kyle Lewis have started slumping in a month or two, like once we hit July and August, when people maybe caught up to him? Um, so my enthusiasm is a little – like. I'm I'm very excited for Kyle Lewis in the same way I'm excited for Fernando Tatis and like I, I I just want them on my team and I want to root for him, but I don't want to get caught up in that. I, I do think Kyle Lewis maybe is due for a bit of a reckoning uh, if we play this out for like another month and a half where Pete Alonso would go up, Kyle Lewis would go down. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I wouldn't I wouldn't go for him in the first round. I think if I'm in an auction, it's like. T- twenty four dollars. I think I would stop on in an American you know, League you know only auction. Be in- you know, it's, what's, what's interesting about him is uh, so even so, what we'll give him uh, another 10 games or so this season, and we're going to be able to look at his numbers. We're gonna, you're going to be able to go to his baseball reference page, and you're going to be able to see two seasons, 2019 and 2020, and he's going to have played 77 games. Right. You know, he's he's going to have 340 plate appearances in his major league career. That's about, about half a season, about half a regular season. 
That's exactly, and I, I don't want to be a Debbie Downer, but that's exactly what I'm saying. Like, it feels like a full season, and this is like Kyle Lewis's big breakout year, but in reality, is 60 games. You know? Yeah, yeah. He's gonna. And I be... hate to do that because I like him. I just see, I don't know. I, see. The more we talk about it, actually, the more I feel like he's going to be almost a discount because of that pedigree, because of the fact that he was always viewed as this big prospect, the 11th overall pick in the 2016 draft, still just 25 years old, having the major league success he's had. I mean, to the to the same uh, on the same side of that, yeah, it's only been you know by the time this season ends, 77 games that he's played, 340 plate appearances, but the numbers are there. Uh, he's delivered. Right, I mean, right now, as you and I are talking, he's played 67 career games, and he's got a career 285, 361, 512 slash. So, I mean, he's done 16 homers in those 67 games. The guy's delivered. It's not his fault yeah. that he wasn't in the majors earlier, that he doesn't have more major league time to this point. Not everyone is Juan Soto coming up at 19 years old, right? I mean, he, like, he, is, he has checked the boxes once the boxes were available for him to check. So maybe he'll actually end up being a little bit of a bargain. I could see. I mean, look, if you're in a league with me and you're in an auction with me, I'm stopping at a certain point. You're probably going <laughs> to go another eight dollars. So yeah, there are probably a lot of people who think like me. So. I feel like we've just orbited one another in the fantasy baseball world, right? Because like I said, there's our first show together talking like this. We obviously have participated in tout wars together, but I don't think we've actually ever been in the same league, right? We're just sort of these uh. satellites orbiting, you know, DVR and Ron Chandler, you know, Saris. <laughs> <laughs> yes, the uh, the universe has tried to conspire to keep us apart. But sorry, everybody. Oh man! All right, uh, let's see. Who do I want to talk about next? How about Luis Robert? How about Luis Robert? Now, this is someone who I find fascinating for the twenty twenty season. I mean, I think or for the twenty twenty one season. Obviously, we're just we're going to have sixty games or so of him in the majors, plus however far the White Sox go in the playoffs um, this season to to judge him on, but. I think Luis Roberts is a top 20 pick next year. Is that crazy? No, I would, I would, I mean, it's not nudging it up must, but I feel like he could sneak into the top 15, top 17. Look, this is a weird, this is a weird way to bring it up, but if you look at, and I've gotten really into cards again this year, but like t- the tops now, <laughs> when, you know, tops now makes these cards when someone does something significant, they'll make a card, it'll be for sale the next day. It's only for sale for 24 hours. Um, and then after they sell, you can go back and you look at the archives, the tops now archives. And Luis Robert's cards always sell better than anybody else. Like, people are gobbling up Luis Robert and Fernando Tatis. And I think that's a sign that people are just excited to have them and to be around them and to hold them. And I think Luis Robert with the hype, you know, wearing the funny number, uh, all that put together, that's just someone that people are going to jump for a little bit in leagues. And there's, like, the legend of Luis Robert and, you know, the, the exploits that he's had and, you know, that you've heard about in the minors. And I think you could just throw the numbers out the window. I think this is going to be a guy who people just want on their teams and they're going to go for probably by the middle of the second round. I think you could squeeze him into the top 15 next year. The ratio stats have not been good this year. We can't pretend anything else. 246 batting average, 307 OBP. That's obviously going to give plenty of people pause, but he's got 11 homers. He's got eight steals. So he's playing to, what, about a 30 homer, 25 steal pace uh, over a full 162. So that right there is going to let you uh, be fine with a 250, 315 um, you know, bat- batting average and OBP. And then I say this all the time. Like, there are plenty of guys who end up taking these jumps and – they, we don't have necessarily the statistical underlying foundation to support this jump happening. But, you know, these are games that are played on a field. These are real-life human beings who are going to make these leaps without having necessarily hinted at them. Not everyone just makes 
incremental improvements. It gets a little bit better and a little bit better and a little bit better, and then they're a superstar, right? Some guys take these monumental leaps, and you're not going to see any necessarily statistical reason for that happening. And Luis Robert, with a full, you know, with again, throw the playoffs into the mix, he's going to get himself, you know, probably close to 300 plate appearances, maybe north of 300 plate appearances if the White Sox go all the way to the World Series. Um, you give a guy like that with his underlying talent, 300 plate appearances in Major League Baseball, and then a full offseason to work on things, he's the sort of guy who I feel comfortable without having the statistical foundation we always look for betting on a big leap from him in categories like batting average and OBP. That's it. Every, every year, I think, you get a couple players who just have like pixie dust sprinkled on them, and you, do, you look at the numbers and you're like, don't worry about it, man. This guy's going to be fine next year. And he's one of them. He's like just one of those magical players that is mythical in, in proportion and legend. And uh, I think it might be him and maybe Clint Frazier. Uh, that's that's like how I'm 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 kind of looking at them. Like sometimes I'm very very hard on the numbers. Other times I'm just kind of like I shrug and I'm like this guy's he's just something else. He's an interdimensional being who's going to be awesome. <laughs> well, explain that Clint Frazier love a little bit. I think well, I mean, look, he's a Yankee, and everybody loves Yankees. He's out there wearing a mask. Everybody loves know. Yankees. Well, uh, in 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 the well, maybe not <laughs> totally, but I mean, that's that's a team that if you put anybody in that lineup, they're going to score runs just okay. incidentally. Yeah, sure. You know? Right, right, right. Yeah, uh, yeah. So I didn't mean like in the real world. I mean, fa- fantasy wise, you know that. Look, it's the opposite of the Conforto problem you were talking about before. Yeah, you know yeah. that if there's a Yankee, you can even if he's like the number nine hitter, you can. Plus ten percent his runs if he was on any other team, just just by standing yeah. there and holding a bat. Um, but I, I mean, you know, again, it, this is a weird one. But Fra- he wears one of those high numbers. Uh, I don't know what that does, but like when someone sees someone wearing like seventy seven doing really well, that does something in your brain. And you're like, that's pretty. That's pretty cool. Um, I just I, I don't know. Clint Frazier's got a little bit of magic in him. He's hammering the ball. He's hitting over three hundred. He's in a good stadium. He's in a great lineup. Uh, you know, if the Yankees mm-hmm. solidify his role next year. And if they don't, you know, if they don't trade him, whatever, whatever. I think his numbers kind of sprinkle a little pixie dust on him, man. Clint Frazier is one of those guys you can just depend Clint on. Frazier pixie dust, yeah. Banging the ball. Well, you know, you know, someone who didn't have the pixie dust this year. It was uh, Luis Roberts' statistical or at least um, game style doppelganger, Victor Robles. Right? These are two guys who were drafted right by each other, and it was almost like, let's say you like Robert better, and you miss out on him. Ah, whatever, Victor Robles is basically the same thing. Vice versa was true, too, right? You like Robles better. Ah, whatever, I'll take Luis Robert. They're basically the same player. That did not play out whatsoever this year. I think Victor Robles, when you look at the underachievers in 2020, he is the one who makes me scratch my head the most because this guy had you know a really nice year last year, at least in terms of something to build on, giving you 17 homers, 28 steals, 255, 326, 419. Obviously, those aren't world-beating numbers, but for a guy who is 22 years old, who had all of 34 games of Major League experience before 2019, you definitely had to feel pretty good about what he could be in 2020, and things just have not gone his way this season. What do we make of him going into next year? Uh, so I like him, but I, hold on. I'm just doing this to make sure I'm not uh, blaspheming anyone. He he was one of the COVID guys, right? I mean, he had he had a very interrupted start to the season. So uh, yeah, isolating under coronavirus protocol. I don't know if I don't know how that all shook out. But in mm-hmm. my brain, I've justified Robles because that's just a weird way to start a season. You can't really get into a groove. And again, give him another two months, and maybe he'd he'd have been awesome. But right. his start to the season was completely like destroyed. 
by the uh, by the coronavirus stuff going on with the Nationals really early, right around. Like, remember Juan Soto was part of that. Uh, right, right. I think Howie Kendrick. But uh, yeah. Oh wait. Uh, yeah, Victor Robles is back on July 18th. I guess I don't know. It was just a weird thing, yeah. and I think he got caught yeah, up he in it. He, he didn't miss any time, I don't think, but he was caught up in it leading up to this very start of the season. Maybe that was it. But yeah, whatever it was, but I still a very strange way to start a year, even if you don't miss any games. Yeah, exactly. Especially when that's the reason for the year being strange to begin with. Uh, I don't know. I, I think he would have been fine if we would have played another two months. Uh, again, I'm not like jumping out of my chair to grab him because to me he's kind of an average steals guy and I like Homer steals guys. Um, but you know, I like him. I don't think he'll be drafted as high next year. And I think that'll allow you to get him a discount. Uh, his mm-hmm. minor league numbers were still bananas and his prospect ratings were super high. So I don't think people are going to be like, Oh, this, you know, this guy was a fluke, but I, I do think you'll get maybe a round discount on him. I think that could happen. He definitely. Definitely the sort of guy who you want to give a pass to. Uh, after what he after what he went through this year and what he did in 2019 and again uh, he'll be turning 24 in May so the uh, the book of Victor Robles is still has a lot of chapters to be written in it um, we've got a lot of more guys I want to talk about we're not going to get to all of them but uh, let's get through some of them before that quick quick couple of words from our sponsors this is the athletic shield Kapadia here to tell you about liquid IV Nobody likes to feel dehydrated. Maybe you get a little bit of a headache, dry mouth. You just don't feel like yourself. But believe it or not, dehydration still occurs daily in three out of four people. With Liquid IV, you have the fastest, most efficient way to stay hydrated. Each serving helps you get as much hydration as two to three bottles of water. Maybe you use it after a really intense workout. Maybe you went out socially distanced with friends and had a couple extra beers the night before. That's where Liquid IV comes in. It is healthier than those sugary sports drinks, no artificial flavors or preservatives, and less sugar than an apple. Plus, it contains five essential vitamins, more vitamin C than an orange, and as much potassium as a banana. And Liquid IV is on a mission to change the world. Liquid IV is donating 3.7 million servings in response to COVID-19. Products are being donated to hospitals, first responders, food banks, veterans, and active military. Liquid IV is available nationwide at Costco and Target, or you can get 25% off when you go to liquidiv.com and use code ATHLETIC at checkout. That's 25% off anything you order when you use promo code ATHLETIC at liquidiv.com. Get better hydration today at liquidiv.com, promo code ATHLETIC. Hi, I'm the Athletics Joe Posnanski uh, for Indochino. You know, finding clothes that fit you just right can be incredibly challenging, especially for somebody like me who has uh, a body type I would call um, dumpy. It's tough to find anything that fits right. You know, I'm not really a large. I'm not really an extra large. I'm not really a double extra large. I'm not really anything. So it's obviously, it's fantastic. You go to Indochino. They have you uh, go through this entire fitting process where you give them basically every single bit of information that you have about yourself uh you have every measurement you have uh who your favorite beetle is uh you know what what uh, you believe about the infield fly rule and uh and then you come out and and they're they're going to send you uh clothes that are uh, that fit you really better than anything you could possibly get in the store it's it's fantastic uh with indochino you get custom fitted suits coats casual wear uh, at surprisingly affordable prices. Customize everything from the fabric and lining to the lapel shape and uh, monogram if you're a monogram kind of person. 
Uh, if you're getting married, Indochino is a no-brainer for you and your groomsmen. Forget about the off-the-rack suits that don't fit different body types. Indochino gives everyone a tailored fit. Visit one of the Indochino showrooms across North America or book a virtual appointment and shop online at Indochino.com. And right now, you'll get $30 off any purchase of $3.99 or more when you enter the code Joe at check. Look at that, Joe. It's for me. Joe at checkout. That's super easy to remember. You go to Indochino.com and the promo code is Joe. All right, we are back. That's for you, Nando. You always you you love to say that in, uh, on, a, on the athletic <laughs> well, yeah, fantasy football play. Okay, we are back. I'm <laughs> always like hearing to, that behind the glass. Just like to remind it. people that we're back. <laughs> um, you know who else is back this year in a big way? It was Dansby Swanson. And Dansby Swanson got himself off to a great start last season. Um, and then he had the foot injury, and he came back from it and played well, right? I mean, this is a guy who's got a great glove at shortstop, and he still contributed a lot to that Atlanta team uh, in the field because of what he does at shortstop, but just wasn't nearly as effective a hitter uh, as he was pre-injury. This year he comes back, and he's having himself a very nice season, and shortstop is as deep as it has ever been. This is not a position where, you know, like you, we're not throwing it back to the days of uh, – of uh, Troy Tulowitzki and uh, Jose Reyes. And it's like, we've got three guys at this position who are, you know, first or second round picks partially because of positional scarcity. And then you'll just wait and you'll get whoever you get at shortstop. We got a lot of good players at this position. I think Dansby Swanson deserves to be discussed as a regular starter uh, going into next year. He wasn't there this year. I think he should be there next year. Not a superstar by any stretch of the imagination, but someone who we should be feeling good about being if you miss out on the superstars. I'm happy that Dansby Swanson is my starting shortstop. So my problem with Swanson, you know what? Uh, did Did you ever read the Watchmen comic, like the original Watchmen comic? Uh, I didn't, but my wife and I just finished watching the TV show. It was great. Awesome, right? It was great, yeah. Did you see them? I don't remember if it was in the movie, but anyway, I mean, maybe this is a bad comparison, but this guy, Dr. Manhattan, is like this all-knowing, all-seeing guy, mm-hmm. and uh, well, I guess this is a spoiler, but whatever. I mean, this is 20 years old at this point, <laughs> yeah. but uh, like, so Ozymandias, the, the smartest man in the world, finds a way to, to kind of block him from seeing something, and maybe it's like Yoda in the prequel of the Star Wars trilogy is a better... This is how I am with Dansby Swanson. Like, I cannot get a read on him. There's something fuzzy there that I can't figure out. And I stay away from him for that reason. And, I, like, I don't know what it is. Usually I have a pretty good feeling about a player after I intake all of the stats and everything they've done, stat cast, numbers, baseball reference, whatever. Dansby Swanson, I cannot tell what he's going to be from year to year. And it's, like, so cloudy, and I cannot get a read on him. And when that happens, I usually end up not taking the gamble or not taking the risk because – I just don't know what to expect on a year-to-year basis. I can't get a, I can't get a read on him. Uh, so, yeah, so for me, it's weird. For anyone else, I mean, like, Dansby Swanson, 280 hitter, 20 home run potential, uh, that's, that's, there's, that's a perfectly fine estimate. I just don't know if that's going to be, like, his two-year average because his batting average tends to be a little jagged uh, or what. But I, I don't know, man. Like, I just, he's one of those guys, when, I, when I'm going down my draft list – it's kind of like he's just like grayed out. I don't even look at him. In my brain, he's like already taken. I, I just <laughs> I cannot get a feel for him at all, and it's just very uh, weird. And I want to like him, but I just can't. Ah, uh, well, I like him. I think he's. Uh, I think well, you've liked him all. You you were on him preseason. I was on him preseason. Yeah. That's right. You're like Dansby you Swanson was like your guy. Thank or you Swanson for was your guy. Yeah, that was in the in the roundtables we did. Yeah. Back in like yeah, back in February. Back in the before times, you were beating the Dansby Swanson drum. I will keep doing so next year. I yeah. can't wait. In fact, 
I can't wait. I wish I could talk more about him. But like I said, we've got uh, some more players that I do want to get through. And like, and we're not going to get through all the guys who we threw down on our little rundown here. But two guys who I definitely want us to talk about are Jose Altuve and Alex Bregman. I mean, what do we make of these Astros? Right? Like, this is like such a hard thing, I think, to feel because this was just like, – look, this was a strange season for everyone, of course. It goes without saying. On top of that, this is a very strange season for a Houston Astros team that everyone hates. And then we have to wonder, well, how much of the drum banging thing was really playing into their success before all of this came down on them? Altuve and Bregman both dealt with injury this season, but man, are their numbers ugly. Bregman, 259, 368, 457. That would be fine for some people. Certainly not fine for Alex Bregman. Altuve, 216, 281, 307. Just a complete, I mean, that's a disaster of a year for, for Jose Altuve. I mean, what do we do with these guys? I mean, are they going to be? I mean, these were Bregman was a late first round pick. Altuve was a mid second to mid third round pick. I mean, what what where are they going next year? What are we going to do with them? I've I, I have no idea what to make of these two players next season. Well, I think it's you got to be contrarian in a way because I don't think anyone wants Alex Bregman on their team. You know what I mean? Just like they just don't want that. It's just like, such a hateable guy. So I think his draft stock is going to go down just because of what he did and how brash he was about everything. Uh, so he might actually be this guy. If you believe in a bounce back, and I, I don't know, man. Like if you, look I believe in it more for him than I do for Altuve. I'll well, say see, that. I, I, Altuve, I actually went when this is all happening, and after Carlos Correa stuck up for him and everything, and I know, I know the tattoo story is ridiculous. I think it was a gross. Completely. <laughs> I think it was a gross sexual tattoo. I believe there was a tattoo. <laughs> I think there was something nasty, or maybe it said something bad, right? Like I, I like I don't know. Um, but. <laughs> Actually, well, actually, no, maybe not, because some people in the, said they saw it in the locker room and he made a point to walk by with a shirt off. But I, oh, if you look at the numbers, <laughs> Altuve did not get a lot of trash can bangs percentage-wise. And his story that he went down and told him to cut it out, Selfino actually had a study, and I, I don't know if we ever actually published it because of all the weird stuff that happened right when it was about to come out, that there was like a psychologist who told him, like, for some people, this trash can bang can take you out of the zone. Like, if you're a good natural hitter, you hear the bang, it just... it. it clicks you right out of whatever zone you were in. So I feel like Altuve would have been fine because you look at his trash can bangs, it actually adds up that he ran downstairs and said, you know, cut it out. Like, I don't, I don't want this. This is not how I play in my, you know, in my brain. Not even like he was taking a moral high road. It might have just been it takes him out of the zone. Uh, so again, with some more time, I think he would have been fine. Bregman, I don't know, man. Bregman's going to get destroyed on the road next year uh, with fans booing and just people just hating him. I guess you can relish it. He could be like a wrestling heel, but uh, Ryan Braun. Yeah, yeah, right. Like it's, but I mean, even Braun still, you know, after he destroyed that poor guy's life, uh, you know, came back out and was a little contrite, and he didn't really embrace the villain role. It seems like Bregman's like a wrestler. I guarantee that dude is a wrestling fan because he's acting like a bad guy in wrestling would every chance he gets. Um, it's just, I don't know, man. If if you can relish that and live it and revel in it for so long, but I, if your sponsorships are drying up, it's got to weigh on you a little bit. I think it's weighing on him a little bit. Uh, I I do think he's good. I do think maybe I would ascribe fifteen to twenty percent of his success to the trash can banging at this point. Uh, but I, I don't know. I would stay away from Alex Bregman and embrace Jose Altuve. Basically, that's that's my answer. I'm the reverse here. Really? And, uh, but wouldn't it, wouldn't it be funny, though, if Alex Bregman was like, you know, he goes from like Gatorades and like Nike or whatever. I don't know what his sponsorships were, but like, you know, national brands to like car dealerships in Houston. Yeah. Which right? is nothing I mean, wrong I, with. I'm sure they're a bunch of great. I'm sure they're great. Yeah. 
but you know, if I could be car car dealerships in Chicago, if I could have a, a sponsorship with a car dealership in Chicago or with Gatorade, you know, it's a pretty easy choice. Yeah, I guess you're right. Right, Gatorade. But anyways, I, I'm more on I'm more on the Bregman side of things. I mean, so all that is true. All that is true, right? Trash can banks, boom, villain, boom. All this is happening. Everyone hates him. People are throwing at him. Uh, he had an injury this year, and he still gave you, or to this point of the season at least, a 259, 368, 457 line. Four homers is concerning in 136 plate appearances, but I, I mean, I can look at that line and say, all right, it was a it was a it was a weird year for everyone. It was a bad year for him, but he wasn't a nothing of a player. I mean, you look at Altuve; he was a nothing of a player, absolutely nothing. And then you throw in the fact that the dude will be you know 31 in May, so you know, he's starting to get to that point where we would expect a little bit of just natural regression anyways. Like, I can get on board with Bregman next year. I can't with Altuve. I think that, um, you know, not only are his best days behind him, and again, that would be true for a lot of guys entering their age 31 season, but I think his days as a, you know, obviously above-average second baseman could potentially be behind him. I've never actually considered that. I, I always saw Altuve as, like, a dude who just kind of came into his own and, and you know, cracked the secret code or whatever but I don't know I feel like he's old enough now and he's had enough success where he's he's kind of I don't know I never thought about that Bella. it's interesting it's yeah, interesting yeah it is we like, got a lot of months to break this down we're just we're a li- I mean it is it is what September 18th we are literally just starting this process we get a lot of time to talk about these guys it's a good way of thinking about it though um all right we got to wrap things up here you see who I've got listed uh who who, who do you want to talk about out of these guys uh hold on I gotta pull it up again Sorry, yeah, I, was, I, was on, uh, I was on Baseball Reference. It was my main page. Uh, yeah, look at those guys at the bottom of the sheet. Who do you want Vlad to talk about? Vladdy Jr.? I, like, I'm intrigued by Vlad Jr. I, I'm still right. a big believer in him. Yeah, what do you what do you, what do you think going into next year on Vlad Jr.? I think he's going to produce first-round numbers when it's all said and done. I think you can get him first in the fourth round, or fifth man. round, but I think he's going to produce first-round numbers. So you're not afraid of what we've seen from him to this point of his career? No, I mean, you know, they're playing in a weird stadium this year. They're not at home. Uh, he maybe he's just not comfortable. Something's not right because he should be hitting 340, you know, with 18 home runs at this point, and he's not. So I'm still gonna love him next year. I mean, it, like for me, he always traveled hand in hand with Fernando Tatis, and the two of them were just gonna be like these two next big explosive superstars that were gonna be the face of Major League Baseball. So something's off. I don't know what it is. I think they'll be able to fix it in the off season. I mean, forget about hitting coaches. Like your dad is one of the greatest pure hitters of our time. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I, I do think like he's going to make some tweaks and he's going to be excellent. Um, look, he switched positions too. Like he, dude was always a third right, baseman. Right, all of a sudden like, Hey, right. day before the season starts, you're going to play first, bro. So I think that could mess a guy up a little bit too. Um, you know, when you're learning the field, it's like when the catchers struggle early because they're trying to learn the pitching staff. Uh, he's trying to learn first base. It happens from time to time. So yeah. I do, I do think he's maybe concentrating a little bit on the defense instead of the offense, and you know, coming into next season, he's going to just explode. I think there's something to the defense thing. You know, I, th- I would expect a shortstop, right? A- any point who plays shortstop in the major league level, I don't care where they get moved to. If they get moved, they're going to be able to handle that position, right? If you can play shortstop in baseball, you can play literally anywhere on the diamond. But you're talking about a guy in Vlad Guerrero who was, you know, passable at third base, making the move across the diamond, a position that he hadn't have played couldn't have played very much in his career previously. So when you're talking about an average defender moving to a new position, average at best defender perhaps moving to a new position, I think that could eat up a lot of their mental bandwidth. And maybe that's something that did work against him uh, this year. Again, 21 years old this season, 
a ton of underlying talent. I'm with you. I want to bet on the talent. I don't want to pay for it next year. Right, but and you I don't, don't have. To. I don't gonna, think you'll have to. Yeah, I, think, I don't think. It, I don't think so either. Yeah, in a 15 right team mixed auction, I think someone might stop at like 15 bucks on Vlad Guerrero, maybe 18. But I'd be willing to go to like 24. So the Kyle Lewis territory. Yeah, actually, yeah, I would. I would. I would. <laughs> I would prefer if I only had that much left. And I know this isn't a real scenario, but if I had like that much as my next big buy, and then it's all like eight dollar and one dollar players, I would spend it on Vlad instead of Kyle Lewis. I like that. How about that? I like that. I like that. You know what? That's full circle. I'm leaving it there. I'm dropping it. I'm dropping it. That's, that's beautiful. That's full circle. We came all the way around. That's a perfect spot to end it. So we're going to end it there. How does that sound? You good with that? I would say this is a very great show for our first time doing a dance together. Yes. I, I would also say very great, right? We didn't we didn't break into um, you know sudden talk about Jonathan Taylor or anything, yeah. which is good. <laughs> I was very tempted. <laughs> right? I'm always tempted to talk about Jonathan Taylor. I can get going on that guy very easily. But we didn't do it. We're not going to do it now. We are going to wrap things up here. Athletic Fantasy Baseball Podcast for Friday, September 18th. All done here. If you are not yet an Athletic subscriber, you can get yourself a subscription for $1 a month. What are you waiting for? Go to theathletic.com slash fantasybaseballpod. For Nando, I am Michael Beller. This show will be back with me and DVR on Sunday taking our last look at waivers and fab so for the 2020 season i know right it's all over it's coming to an end hopefully this last run of waivers means something to you because that means you are contending for a championship dvr and i will have that for you on sunday until then thanks for listening and have a great weekend